Authentic Life with Josiah Ball. Hey there, friends. I'm here to discuss with you a little bit right now about uh, your Authentic Life podcast. What this podcast is, is it's a podcast about conversation. A podcast with individuals or couples that just talk about everyday life, things that these people uh, are either experts in or situations they've gone through or just what's going on in their life, what's God telling them, what are they passionate about. That's why we have uh, conversations about health and wellness. That's why we have conversations about spiritual warfare or we have conversations about just relationship with Jesus. And it all stems back to living authentically how to live a better life. And I, you know, there's conversations on here that I'm going to have that may trigger you to want to jump in on something. Maybe it's you want to better your health. Maybe it's you want to better uh, dive into the word of God. Maybe it's just to be a better person altogether. To live authentically means to live in the way that we are called to be, not to be, oh, that's just me kind of lifestyle, but to live in a place where we get to live in our calling, in our destiny, to live to the fullness of who we are called to be. And on today's episode, I've had the privilege of interviewing my friends, Caitlin and Andrew, about their uh, struggles, their, their, their amazing story of walking through from foster care to adopting six children six people that came into their lives. And it's just a powerful story and all the different things they had to face in in the process of that. And so if this is in any way, this conversation ahead of us uh, inspires you to want to foster, want to adopt, or you've already been thinking about that, you know, I encourage you to reach out to Caitlin and Andrew and ask them about their story, more details, dive into what it is, watch the movie Instant Family, find information about foster care, about adoption, because I think it is so important for us to know more about it. So I don't want to take up any more time. Um, Here is an interview with my friends, Caitlin and Andrew Burchard. Hey there, friends. Thanks for tuning into this week's Your Authentic Life. Uh, Today is the first time ever where it's not just one person. We have two people, a couple, our friends, uh, Caitlin and Andrew Burchard. Welcome to the podcast, guys. Thank Thank you. you. Awesome. So how, how are you guys doing overall? Like what's going on? I'm good. Yeah. (laughs) We're good. We're busy. Busy. Little little babies to take care of, but yeah. You got a Starbucks, you're trying to stay awake here. And I know 7 30 at night, man. (laughs) (laughs) I I could do it, but I I choose not to drink coffee at night anymore. Um it doesn't usually affect me, but it it doesn't affect me to stay up late, but it affects me in other ways. Um, but we won't go into those details. So <laughs> uh, so, so you guys, um, I met you guys, uh, well, we kind of knew of each other mm-hmm. and then I married Abby and Abby knew you really well. You went on a mission trip with Abby and, uh, then we really connected through that, you know, that yeah. avenue. Um, but I want to hear, you know, your guys' story, um, and what brought you to where you are now. And for, uh, for those listening, we are talking today about the beauty and the hardships and the the trials and tribulations you go through, 
uh, and the favor and all the blessings that happen when you're going through foster care and adoption. Uh, and that is a huge story in Caitlin and Andrew's life. And I'm just going to let them take the floor and kind of just talk about their story in it. They might ask some questions throughout too. So sure. floor is yours guys. So yeah, I'm Caitlin. Um, and Andrew and I have been married for almost six years and we always knew that we wanted a family. Um, and of course we assumed it would be your normal, typical way of having a family, um, you know, planning out when you were going to have kids going through all that kind of stuff. But, um, after a while of trying on our own, um, it just wasn't happening for us. So we chose to go through the route of infertility and we did that for about six months. Um, and, it was pretty draining. It's mm. a lot. You're going there pretty regularly. And after three different rounds, it just wasn't working for us. And we decided to take a break and really see where the Lord um, was going to take us next. Yeah. And one day Andrew came to me and he said, I think we should maybe try foster care. And I said, no, <laughs> <laughs> I said, no. Um, I said, I don't want to do that. It's going to be too much. You know, all the typical things that we hear on a regular basis. I don't want to get too attached. I don't want to have to love them and watch them leave. I don't know if I can do it all. Um, and selfishly, I just wanted my idea of a perfect family, which was being able to, you know, give birth to them myself. Um, but after a couple of weeks, I think the Lord really worked on my heart and just those different things kept happening or people kept bringing things up mm -hmm. that I was like, how did you know that? Or how, how would you know to say that? And wow. um, we decided to, to try it out and go to the informational meeting and take it from there. And now we are here, you know, about almost four years after our foster care journey started and we just adopted, um, our six kids, um, in November of this past year. That's awesome. And yeah, so we're looking at the way that the Lord really completes our story for a full circle. Yeah. You're incredibly blessed. Awesome. That's great. And, and, uh, so Andrew, what, when you first, you know, had the, the thought, just the thought of, adoption like where did that come from was it just something that or our foster care and in, into adoption was that something that you just saw somewhere pop up or was it like internally it just came out of you like I feel like this would be a good idea um I'm a person that tends to like overthink things a lot yeah. so like during a lot of the infertility like it was physically draining on Caitlin yeah. But like I was like mentally destroying myself mm -hmm. just as she was going through it physically. And like I was trying to think of like any solution like that I the, a way that I could like help solve the issue or yeah. well not the issue, but try to find a way to complete that missing yeah, piece. Yeah, complete complete that missing piece yeah. for our family. And um part of that like the uh, it initially started with the idea of adoption but and then like having to like do more research about like what that looks like in our state and our county and like all that different stuff like it brought up a kind of an idea in my head of foster care yeah then it was one of those things where like how do you after 
all the infertility stuff ended and we chose to like take a break and um it became a very interesting conversation to try to bring up because we're already heartbroken that things aren't working Mm -hmm. but now it's also how do you bring up a conversation of let's start a family but in the most unusual means yeah and and we were already so we need we knew that we needed to get ourselves um to a point where we could handle that you know in the midst of all our infertility we had um had two miscarriages and so the idea of of having kids and then losing them yeah um, wow it was really challenging after everything that we had walked through and I think um it was something that we knew that we had to be in a good space for because foster care is beautiful but it starts out with a ton of brokenness yeah and if we were also coming into it from a very broken place, would we um, be a good vessel like mm. to these children? So, yeah, I can't, I can't even imagine, you know, the, the thought of walking into something because foster care, there's no guarantee, right? There's like, you're, you know, the, you're like as in between, you know, and, and it's almost like purgatory in a way where it's like, where am I, what's going to happen? Are they going to go back to their parents? Which is with foster care, I understand is ultimate, the ultimate goal, right? When you're, when you're fostering, even though there is that desire for adoption and there's other, there's ways to adopt, but the foster care system is um, reconciliation, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the main goal of foster care, and it's the first thing they tell you is like, obviously, there is the chance of adoption, but the primary goal from the beginning of the case is always for reunification to the parents. Um, and you know, there's a lot, there's also, they're also always looking into other options. So, you know, they might call us. Um, we had a couple calls before we actually got a kid, you know, anybody placed with us of, Hey, we have a newborn baby or, Hey, we have this, like, you know, could you come and grab them? And we would show up at DSS or the hospital and they found a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle, or mm. they're going to look for those family resources first. Yeah. Um, so even from the get go, I mean, we've had placements that were five days. We've had placements that were three and a half weeks. We've had So you really never know. Um, And then obviously the longer it goes on, you know, it about after a while, they start doing what they call concurrent planning. So Mm. if it doesn't work out for them to return home, would you be a resource? But I mean, that's six plus months in of dedicating, you know, your life uh, to, you know, these kids. So it's, it's always the goal for them to return home. And we're very understanding and supportive of that. Um, but we knew going into it that we would be a resource um, to adopt if the cases that we had went in that direction. Nice. And so it was when you, you know, Andrew, you first brought up foster care, was was that always the, hey, let's do foster care? And or was it like, Hey, let's adopt. Like, what was that conversation like? Adoption versus going straight for adoption versus, hey, let's do foster care route. I think it was originally brought about with the idea of adoption in mind. Mm-hmm. But, like, I think the more, like I said before, like the more meetings we went to and the more questions we asked and everything, we realized that, like, it's through 
uh, like actually fostering relationships. It's Mm. through actually being um, involved in the foster care system. It's like building relationships, not just with the kids, but with the parents and it's building relationships with um, your social worker and um, home finding and all these different, there's all these different pieces that like you learn along the way that um that you have to be involved with that like you you thought it would be as simple as oh i'm gonna just take in these kids you know help change their life and regardless if they stay with me or not you know at least i you know can say that i put a stamp of like uh goodness in their life for a short period yeah you think like you know going into it like i feel like every person kind of has that general idea but uh, yeah I think along the way you realize that it's a lot more yeah a lot more work in order to get certified to do foster care you have to do what's called MAPS class which is a 10-week course so it's for 10 weeks um you go once a week for three hours um and you have to do that before you make any sort of decision so you can complete the class and choose not to foster you can complete the class and choose only to foster not adopt you can choose any route that you want to go um so i think like andrew said we definitely went into it with the mindset of like oh we're just going to get a kid and like adopt right like that's yeah. just how it work and then you know a lot of the courses to really prepare you for the difficulty of foster care and the brokenness and reunification and all that's going to come with that and i think as we went through this 10 week course, I think the Lord really changed both Andrew and my heart to the idea of like, man, we have this opportunity to love not only these children, but these children's birth parents and these children's Mm -hmm. other things and these children's other families. And like, maybe the Lord really called us to this not just to complete, you know, our original goal of a family, but to also use it as a way to minister and to, you know, hopefully make an impact on other people's lives. Yeah. I think so. The intention, I think, really changed throughout those classes um, when we saw like what it was really gonna entail. And I still don't think it prepared us, you know, nearly for what was to come, but it was the start of the Lord really working on our hearts um, and right after we got certified unexpectedly, we found a house and were able to buy it. And it was Andrew and I in a four bedroom house, you know, with all this space and yeah. the Lord just blew us out of the water. Yeah. You keep, you keep seeing like these things lining up for, you sure. know, that you know, we, the- I mean, we were in a two bedroom townhouse. That's what we got originally certified in. And the idea was, you know, we're going to do this and we're going to take one kid at a time. You know, they mm-hmm. asked me specifications. We said one kid at a time or under, and that never happened. No. <laughs> For us. And that was our choice. I mean, you can obviously um, deny placements, but to have a house, it was just the way that the Lord really directed our past during the six months of class, you know, the time of classes and continuing to get certified really brought us. I mean, he had it planned out the whole time. That's we awesome. didn't know what his plan quite was, but he's definitely um, just rocked our worlds in the best way. And it, and it's almost like it's it's still unfolding, you know. The, you know, it's it's still, you know, the the you know now that they're adopted, it's like okay, they are family now. And um, before I, I get to one question, I want to ask. I want to ask, like, you know, tell tell 
us about and anybody listening like tell us about what happened you know you got three placements they're all all brothers and sisters and then three more right or something like that like tell us the story there story so we got um certified in june of 2019 awesome um we moved into our house november of 2019 and got a call in december of 2019 to take three um kids um, at the time they were seven, three, and um 18 months. about 13 months, just over one. Um, they said we have these three kids, we're in need of a home, they're all in diapers, and the oldest one is autistic. And we were like, ooh, that's quite a call for a first basement. Like, I don't yeah. know. But we both just felt like the Lord had really like was just really kind of nudging us. And um, so we decided to say yes, and we had them for three weeks. Um, before they ultimately return home to dad, um, dad just was kind of going through a little bit of a rocky time and he needed some time to get some things sorted out. Um, so he was able to, to do that and they were able to return home, but we had, um, really established such an amazing relationship with them that we were still a regular part of their life about once or twice a week. Mm-hmm. They would spend the night here. Um, cause dad had to work late and oh, couldn't pick cool. up and take care. So we always maintained a relationship with them. Um, and then let's see February, 2020 hit and we got a placement of four boys. Yep. So they were nine, six, 20 months and 10 months. Wow. We had them for five days. Um, before they found an aunt that was a resource for them. And then in April, we got a call for um, four kids, uh, way, way out of our realm of what we ever thought. Um, They were 16, 15, 12, and two. So not only was there four, we did not ever anticipate going the route of teenagers. Andrew right. had always had that on his heart. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't quite there yet. I was like, oof, like we're still, you know, kind of young. I don't know how it would work. But it was wild. We just could not shake it. Like we could not shake um this call. And so we kind of sat down and talked about it and ultimately realized that we were both like on the same page, even though we thought the other one would be um, different. And they, they came to us a day later and, um, the oldest one is, um, she was not adopted by us. Um, she is 19, she'll be 20 this year. And she is an independent living, has a full-time job, her own apartment, but the other younger three are three of the ones that were adopted by us in April or in November of this past year. And then the following November, so November or following April. So we got the four in April, 2020, and then April 2021, we got a call for the three original kids wow. that we had for those three weeks back in 2019 that we had maintained a relationship with mm-hmm. to take them back. Um, they had moved to a different county, but due to the fact that we had maintained a relationship with mm-hmm. the birth parents, they had requested by the county that the children be placed in our home. Wow. So we got a call for them and we became an instant family of six. And those are the six that were all adopted in November. So our oldest, Kayla, who's an independent living, is 19. Um, Lennox is 18. Um, She's a senior in high school. Connor is almost 16. Jojo is 10. 
Lucas is six, Liam is five, and our little one, Ensley, is four. That's so, awesome. Yeah. And they're all adorable. And I think so. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, yeah, we might be a little. <laughs> so, is it instant love? You know, like what, what's that like? Like when you get them in your hands, like they're come over, it's awkward. Like this is your room. This is what, like, I know that's a, that's a deep question. Right. But it's like, when, what was that moment like for each of you individually? Like I'm, I love these kids. I think that there is a almost instant attachment not necessarily love but you are an instant attachment to like want to build the relationship mm. okay, I'm responsible like yeah, yeah. like you want you automatically feel like an instant attachment to them because they're in your care like you are, are always trying to find like another way to try to connect with them but um but like hard. yeah um it was for me personally when the four first came, I was like, I'm 29 and I'm taking in two teenage girls. That, uh, how, what does that mean for me? Like, right. That's weird. I'm like, yeah. how, how, how do I juggle that as like a, a grown man? Like, yeah. All the awkward things that are going to be going on, all the things are going to be asked. And, and then, like, you know, I matured and realized that it's easier than. I think but, all the things we were afraid of at first ended up being the yeah. things that were easy and all the things that <laughs> we didn't think about were hard, but you know, when they called us, we said yes. And, and they were dropped off and we had them for about two days, three days. And we were, you know, it was hard when you bring in any, any child, but specifically an older child who has really understands why they're being removed and what mm-hmm. is happening the amount of trauma that they're dealing with is just nothing that you can be prepared for. And, you know, the first couple of days were just so overwhelming. Um, and, you know, we ended up calling home finding and saying, we can't do this. Like, I'm really sorry, but I think you're going to have to find another home for them. Wow. And they said, okay, you know, it's four kids. So it's going to take us a minute. So bear with us and we'll see what we can do. And, you know, the next day came and the next day came and it was like, slowly we started realizing, oh, like maybe we can do this. And we're coming up to a little bit of a routine, you know, for us, the older ones were challenging, but also Liam was two and a half and he was nonverbal at that point. He wasn't talking. Um, and our oldest Kayla had been really mostly full-time raising him. So now you bring him to an environment. He got infantigo, then it turned into hand, foot, and mouth. He got the stomach bug. So he was just screaming all the time. He yeah. was, um, I would say for the first two months, he was up about every 45 minutes all night, 10, 15 times a night. Um, we couldn't get him to sleep. We couldn't get him to stop crying. We couldn't get him to. And so not only obviously do the teenagers bring challenges, but here we were thinking like, Oh, the two and a half year old is going to be cake. Right. You know, that was obviously not the case. So it's really challenging. And I definitely wouldn't say it's love at first sight because we had them for a couple of days and we were like, we can't do this. You're going to have to take them back. And 
after a couple of days, we kind of looked at each other and we're like, you know, this might work. This might work. We can do <laughs> this. Starting to settle in. Like they're starting to, you know, you start to build those relationships, but it's so awkward. I mean, put a, put yourself in their shoes. You're literally being unwillingly right into this person's house. You don't know who they are. You don't know anything about them. You are worried about a lot of these teens in particular. Um, you know, they have a lot of anger maybe towards, you know, the reason why they were removed, but that's still their parent, you know, right. those their parents and so more times than not they want to go home they do not want to be here um and they make that pretty known you know we 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 were um we were told you know a lot of times and we just tried I think looking back there's some things that you know we could have handled differently or done differently but hindsight's 2020 right and you know I think at the end of the day it is um those first couple months are definitely you know, you don't thrive, but you survive. Mm-hmm. You find a routine. Um, but it's also hard for us to say because we've never experienced the birth of a baby and like bringing a newborn home and like right. all the hard nights and moments that come from that. So it's it's hard to to say um, about the whole idea of instant attachment in terms of you know, did I feel more of an instant love for my biological child than, you know, an adoptive one? Cause we've never had that experience, but. Right. And that would bring a whole bunch of different challenges of comparison, yeah. even, you know, like that for some people that go through that, you know? So, um, yeah. So I have to bring it up. Um, the movie instant family, have you guys seen that? Yeah. We yes. have, it was one of our assignments for actually the foster. Really? Family. Yeah, I are. I cannot watch that movie without crying at the end. I it's I brutal. I, I probably I watched it in theaters, and I was like, oh, this is gonna be a good movie because I have a heart for adoption. I know Abby and I've talked about adopting one day, and I don't know if we go the route of foster care at all. But um, you know, you guys are inspiring, so it's like, yeah, and having knowing a good bunch of people that in my life that have gone through it, um, but. Uh, watching that movie in theaters, I was a mess. <laughs> and uh, we watched it maybe like, I don't know, two, three months ago, and I was a mess again. I, you know the ending. You know what's going to happen. It's a beautiful it's movie. It's on the field. But yeah. to like, and it's it's like up and down crying through the whole thing. And that is so cool that they had you watch it because I was going to ask, like, what is the accuracy of it you know like is there is it pretty legit real like did they get a group of people together to be like hey this is how you should write the movie like yeah I thought I was impressed I was I mean we watched it first before we had entered the journey so but we watched it again shortly after um our first placement of three left and it was like brutal like it was like you know feeling all the feels again I think there are some ways that it's super accurate I think the way that they take you on that emotional roller coaster of not only the the adopt or you know, the foster parents but also the children yeah. um was really accurate but there are some things like you know at the beginning of the movie it was just like this big place um yeah. and nice. kind of were like I'm gonna take home that kid you know but that's not quite how it works you know the county calls you um with placements they have to see if you'd be willing you always have the right to deny a placement yeah. And we have denied some placements that we didn't think would be a good fit for our family. 
Um, but it's not like a, you know, casting call type of situation where you show up pick one, but I would say the roller coaster and the way that they really depict the emotions, um, is so true. And and like you said earlier, even post-adoption, that roller coaster doesn't stop. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we've had some of our hardest moments post-adoption and it's, just because they're adopted doesn't, that doesn't conclude their story. Right. Um, And they're still going to be dealing with all those emotions, um, knowing, you know, and some of our kids are little. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, what they grasp is, is hard to under, you know, hard to know how much they fully understand. Um, but all of our children, I mean, they know they're adopted. Obviously, they they know they have two moms and two dads. Yeah. Um, they know that, you know, we phrase it in a way that they're really lucky that they get, you know, twice the amount of parents that get to love them and twice the amount of grandparents that get to love them. And um, we try to be really inclusive with our birth family. So, you know, they're, they're aware, um, you know, we do things with them and their birth parents regularly. Um, so we don't make it any sort of, of competition or feel like they need to err on any specific side. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, it's a roller coaster that we're still going to be riding probably for a while. I mean, even like Ensley's four, you know, when she's in 10 years, when she's 14 and is processing, like, why she went into foster care and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, identity is a big issue for kids in care. Like why didn't my parents choose me over them or me over, you know, their um, addiction or whatever it may be. And for our kids now, the little ones, they can't process that. They just know they have two sets of parents. Right. Uh, But as they get older and we will never lie to them about their story. Um, obviously we will, come to them, we will answer their questions in age appropriate ways as they ask them. Yeah. Um, but we know that, you know, this is really just the beginning of a lifetime of questions and hurt. And, you know, foster care is the greatest thing ever mm-hmm. and the worst thing ever, you know, yeah. like, God didn't intend for families to be split apart. Um, That was God's heart in any way. Um, But we are so thankful that we can step into that space and try to love them. However, that may look for whatever time we have them. Yeah. And also their families, you know, we've done holidays with their families. We've done Christmas Eve. We've done um, taking their parents out for their birthdays. We've, you know, we, we want to step into that place and give them um, maybe love that they've never had before. A lot of the parents too, they came out of the system as well. Yeah. Or so it's, it's a cyclical, you know, type of thing. And we just want to do our best to try and break the cycle. Yeah. A lot of the, the parents and kids like have this bad image of the system that like 
and we, we're trying the best we can as in our role to like show them that like just because it didn't work quite the way you had hoped it, like mm-hmm. when you were younger and everything that doesn't mean it has to be the case now for your goals yeah um we want to love them we want to reunify if that's possible like we want to we want to step into the role temporarily if that is you know god's will and that's if they can put in the work that they need to do to you know get the kids back um we want to make sure that we are painting the best picture of ourselves and like and their parents yeah like we're trying to help show them a good example as well as like you know being a secure place for their children yeah yeah it's it's, it was surprising to me how many of the parents that we've interacted with really believe that people go into foster care for the money. And mm. while there have been people that have done that, I'm sure there are still people that do that to some extent. Let me tell you that if you're in this for the money, you're in this for the wrong thing because it don't pay enough. It does mm-hmm. not pay enough for the amount of emotional trauma and, you know, that you, you know, there's such a thing as secondary trauma. And as you're walking with your kid and you know, as you're, you know, having them cry because a parent didn't show up to a visit or as you're trying to explain to them um, why their parent is incarcerated again, or you're mm-hmm. trying to walk them through these things, it is not fun. I think the best way I can, you know, Andrew and I have talked about, I feel like the best way we can say it is like, you're constantly paying you're constantly having to deal with the consequences for somebody else's actions. You know, like you're the bad news. You're the one that has to pay the consequence. You know, my kid who is, um, you know, throwing things and ripping things off the wall and swearing at me because their parents said they were going to come and didn't, they don't Mm -hmm. have to deal with that consequence. I have to deal with it. You know, it's, it's really hard. Yeah. Um, but it's so freaking rewarding as well and watching them um you know learn how to process these things and realize that this is a place of safety and security and that we're not trying to rip them from their parents and we're not here to just scoop them up and you know run but our kids also I mean they have some crazy they've had some crazy pasts yeah and um they're they were taught in a lot of ways that the system is bad, that foster parents are bad because they're in it for the money, that they're not going to take care of them. They're not going um, to, that they're not there for the child. They're there for the money. And I will also say, I mean, we're Ontario County foster parents and I will say that they screen the heck out of you. So I know that there are people that they have turned down that they do not get a a great vibe from and that they don't feel will be a great fit. So I also don't think the county just, and they don't just take anybody who wants to be a foster You do have to go through the proper steps because at the end of the day, like these kids have already been through a lot, you know, and even just putting them into your home, even like we're a safe home, but that's still traumatizing. So, you know, to be removed from your home and put into a stranger's house, no matter how great you are 
is not ideal for them. Um, and so they try to limit that obviously as much as possible. Um, I would say our County, you know, does really well, you know, I'm, I'm thankful to be a part of Ontario County. Um, and I think that they, they try their hardest, but they don't always get it right. We don't always get it right. And we just, you know, there's no, there's no perfect manual on how to do it. Right. So what advice would you give to, you know, a couple who is looking at it or like, you know, they're hearing this right now and, and, you know, somebody who's listening to this podcast be like, oh, wow, I'm inspired. I want to go in into foster care. What, What advice would you give them starting out that you didn't necessarily have when you started out? Wow. That's a hard one. And, and a good one. I think there's so much, I think for me, um, one thing I would say, and it, and it sounds bad at first, but really lower your expectations. You Mm. know, I think you have this perfect idea of like, this kid's going to get dropped off and they're going to run to you with open arms because you have a home and you have a food full of, you know, fridge full of food and you have clothes for them. And like, oh my gosh, they're going to love it. Of course they're going to want to be here and it's going to be great. And we're going to fall in love instantly and have instant attachment. And, Mm. um, you know, that really, truly, 90% of the time is not the case. And I think to just lower that expectation, because I think it sets you up for failure, but also sets those kids up for failure to meet an expectation that isn't fair of them. Um, And instead of expecting them to meet you where you're at, you really need to turn it around and meet them where they're at. Mm. Um, You know, they're the one that's being placed in that. And I think just lowering those expectations and realizing that, you know, every story looks a lot different and having the patience to stick it out because when you can get over those hard humps, yeah. I mean, we look around us on a regular basis and we're in a challenging season right now. We have a lot of littles and we have bigs that are going through a lot of things and we just can't believe how much the Lord has just blessed the heck mm. out of us. So many ways, like it is so freaking hard. I'm not going to lie. It is the hardest thing probably we've ever done, but like when they, Andrew went out with friends last night and they just cried because he was leaving. Daddy, I love Aww. you. So much. Daddy, I don't want you to leave. Um, or they, you know, come to and they cuddle up and they want to talk to you about their day. There's just all these moments or the teenagers come to you and they ask about, you know, big life problems mm-hmm. or wanting to get baptized or wow. like there's, there's so much ability for redemption out of these stories. And if we don't stick it out, I mean, I'm not saying every placement is perfect for everyone. Right. I think if you lower your expectations to realize it's not going to be the all that you think it's going to be in the beginning, it gives you the ability to stick it out a little bit more. Yeah. See what can really come from it rather than having this expectation and not being met, calling the County and saying, you need to take them away. And then never really knowing what it could have been. I mean, even when we called the County and told them we're willing, you know, we're, we're not asking you to look for another home right now. They're okay with us, but we want you to know we're not an adoptive resource for them. We just don't think we could adopt them. And here we are. Yeah. <laughs> and we've adopted all of them. And like, 
it's because we stuck it out and we really fell in love with them, like, and who they are. And we counted a great privilege to be able to invest in their lives and the lives of their parents and their family. Um, and it's, like I said, it's not easy, but like, man, is it so, so worth it. Awesome. I think mine kind of goes, it kind of attaches to what she said. Um, I think don't get attached to like the cookie cutter dream of like yeah. of it all. Yeah. Um, like the it's not just you know like instant family at the end you know they're all walking down the sidewalk and have happy right you know, like it's like she said we are going through really hard stuff right now. Yeah. Um. In the the past like four years, like her and I have gotten into some arguments that like we never thought we would get into about some of the most ridiculous things because mm-hmm. we've had been put into a place where we have to have conversations about things we never thought we would have to have because we have teenagers in our young tw- or late twenties. Like it's. Yeah. Um, we're, we're having to, like, it's good to have goals and aspirations for, you know, like setting goals for these kids to meet and everything. But like she said, like, meet them where they're at Mm -hmm. and try not to like paint a perfect picture for them like let them know that like this is a safe place yeah and like at the end of the day like regardless whether you go home or not we're here yeah we're always we're here we love you and like we care for you and we want to continue to build a relationship with you again whether you're here or at home um or in independent independent living Mm. like we want to we are here to build a relationship with you um and that comes along with a lot of painful conversations and it comes with a lot of awkward conversations like yeah you wouldn't believe but there's so there is so much reward in having been through it all yeah it's it's just knowing that you have to have the strength to stick it out and god is literally our best friend through the whole thing i don't think that we truly could have gotten through all of this without the strength that he's provided for us and i think like going along about too like he said come with a plan like our plan was to have a family and do all this but like i think it reminded us to always come to god with open an open hand you know a plan mm-hmm. plan open handed and understanding that like you know our life might not turn out exactly how we thought it would definitely i if you would have asked me 5 years ago where i'd be in 5 years i can definitely tell you i would never have guessed this in 100 years right like the way that the lord has specifically directed our steps um, to bring us to where we are now and to know that like, I mean, when it was just Andrew and I, 
we were working and, you know, we were fine, but it would, I was like, even if I have a kid, how, you know, how are we going to afford a daycare? How are we going to, you know, how am I going to find a job where I can, you know, how are you, how would I be able to quit? And now it's like the idea that I can work from home and invest into my six kids lives and, and do things with them. Like, I mean, I was like, how am I going to be able to afford to have this many kids? How am I going to be able to like do it? How am I going to be able to split my time? And I think just coming to the Lord and allowing him to truly direct your path because he knew that this is where we were going to end up. He knew that these were the kids that we were going to get to have as a part of our family. And it's so evident in so many ways. Um, And just even in the hard times we're having post-adoption where it's like, what are you Mm -hmm. doing? You know? you know, we're trusting that the Lord has always been so faithful to bring us to this point. And I don't, you know, he's not going to stop. Um, so just following him through that process and hopefully, you know, showing our kids the same thing, you know, that they're, um, how to truly like, even in the hard times, like rely on him and you could have a a plan for your life and what it's going to look like. And you can have all these things, but at the end of the day, you know, if you truly follow the will that the Lord has for your life, you know, you're going to be blessed tenfold in comparison to trying to do it all on your own. And I look at all the heartbreak we went through with infertility. And I'm not saying that that was wasted time, Mm. but to look back and say, man, I went through all of that. So against the idea of foster care adoption and like, look what I have now. I just needed to allow myself to open up to it. And I mean, we think about all the time, like we look at each other and we're like, we could have missed this. Like Mm. how absurd is that, that we could have missed this. And there are times we wish it were a little quieter. We wish we could have our our crap together a little more, but like, you know, we have kids running around and growing like crazy and excelling in school. And we couldn't really ask for anything better. Awesome. Wow. All right. Last question. Ready? When you think of living authentically as foster parents, um, and this could be the one of you or both of you can answer it, living your authentic life as foster parents with, with, um, I guess without trying to overthink about it, but what does that mean to you? Like as, as foster parents, as an as an identity, let's say like your your identity is in Christ, right? But as your as you were foster parents, now parents stepping into that, right? That that what does it mean to be authentic in your life still? As now there's a whole new bundle of joys have come into your life. Yeah, wow, that's a really good question. Um, I think just remaining really true to who we know we are in Christ. And I know mm-hmm. that that's like cliche, but I think it can be easy to lose um, your identity in so many things and becoming a parent and the hardships and being caught up in the battles and like everything that we're, that we're going on. But like I said, if, if you can keep your eye on him and walk through those hard times and then you can look back and like I said, hindsight's 2020 and you can see why he walked you through the way that he walked you. Mm-hmm. Like I'll staying authentic to your identity in, in Christ and understanding that like at the end of the day, whether we had children of our own biologically, you know, we had children here for a short term or we have children that we've adopted. They're not ours. Yeah. They're his. 
And, you know, that's something that we've had to come to the conclusion of when we decided is like at the end of the day, like I said, if we can keep an open hand, love who the Lord gives us. But at the end of the day, like they're not ours, they're his. And we're just here to, you know, to steward them um, and to hopefully, you know, guide them in their hearts towards him. Um, but it's not, they're not our kids. Um, yeah. they're his, and that would be the same, even if, if we were to have biological kids. And so I think also, you know, raising these kids, loving these kids, staying faithful to him, um, to walk this journey, knowing that at the end of the day, um, we're just doing what he's calling us to do and mm-hmm. these kids, hopefully to, to enter into his kingdom and be able to understand what it's like to have a true relationship with the Lord. Um, and also extend that out to the parents. You know, we hope that maybe they can, you know, learn something along the way too. I think just loving people as Christ loves them in a way that you've never experienced before. And I mean, like picking them up from the street, you know, giving them food when nobody has, but it's things that you don't think of. And until you're in that place, yeah. I don't think you know how to really love people that are also sometimes really hard to love. Loving yeah. the loving the widowed and orphaned, like learning what that truly looks like and what that really means yeah. when until you're put into a position where God's literally putting you putting the right in your front in front of your face. Wow. Yeah. I it's it's jarring to like your walk to see like the positions he can, he, I, he, he will put you in. I think yeah. it's so easy to it when you're born into a privileged life. And I mean, I say that like loosely, I guess sometimes it's very easy to go about our life, not really understanding what's going on. I mean, truly until I did foster care, I had no idea the amount of homeless people that are in the County, the amount That's of crazy foster care, the amount of people struggling with addiction who can't get food. And then you're brought into this and you think like, oh, I'm here to love these kids, but you've got, they love their parents too. And they're watching how you love their parents. They're watching how you walk out what you say you believe to the people that are, they know how hard they are to love. They've lived with them, you know, like, you know how hard it is. And it's hard for them to love them sometimes. And, and they're their parents yeah to be a stranger and love them in a way we don't always do it perfectly but um you know to pick them up in the middle of the night from somewhere or to buy them shoes because they have no shoes and they have a Mm. hole to go to get them clothes or food or take them to dss to try to get housing and a job like until you're put around that type of of situation you know it's like it's so easy to ignore the brokenness around us and to think that we're loving well when it's easy for us to love people that are just similar to us. You know what I mean? When you have to dig deep and, and love people who um, are challenging and really expecting nothing in return other than knowing that you're helping them out. I think um, it just brings out more of the way that the that Jesus loved and the way that he calls us to love. Um, and we just, I think living authentically is doing the best that we can at that. Um, knowing that this is what he has called us to, regardless of the time frame. we don't know, um, you know, will we have more, will we not, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Are we, you know, we don't know. We're keeping that, you know, 
plan open to what the Lord has for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but we just know that he's given us these children for right now. And it's our job to pour into them as much as we can and understand at the end of the day, they're not ours. They're the Lord's. But between now and then it is our responsibility to steward them and hopefully love them to the best of our ability. Just to add on that real quick, like you think that you have the strength to like get through all of it on your own and yeah like when going into it like that that was one of the things that I like I was like really proud of me and Caitlin like you know we're a really good team we work together and we're together well but like you don't you like you're you're tested constantly and you're constantly yeah. in positions where it sh- shows you more of who you are it shows you more of your character and it's like a true going through this journey has showed me more about who I am as a person and who I am in Christ. And I, I'm not just, you know, a child of God, but like now I am taking care of more children children of God God. and I'm, I'm helping shape them. Like I'm God is constantly adding more to me by being in this role and like he's constantly adding more to our plates where we're over here like rubbing our temples wondering what the heck we're gonna do and Mm -hmm. but like i'm coming trying to count it as joy because i'm just seeing that it's just a blessing in disguise like he's show he so is seeing that we are doing well so he's trusting us with more yeah so like i think living authentically for us right now kind of looks like biting into more of the hard stuff. And like, you know, because God is blessing us with the hard stuff. He's giving us the the skills as we're going and he's uh, giving us the, the people that we need around us to help us move forward better and to, uh, ultimately guide their hearts in a way that's that's hopefully going to lead them to the lord there you have it guys that was an incredible conversation um just think about you know even god saying that we are adopted that we get to call him abba father god knew the mess he was getting into when he adopted us he knew how we would be we knew the rejection uh, we would he knew the rejection we would give him and despite all that he pours out for us despite everything he knew that we would still come against some of the things that he he is but he loves us he grafted us in he adopted us and so i think adoption is so important uh and so i'm i'm a huge advocate for it uh it's something that i'm passionate about so i hope you were blessed by this um in this conversation, Caitlin and Andrew are just beautiful people, uh, heart for God and heart to see their family just grow. So till next time, guys, I uh, hope you uh, enjoyed your authentic life this season so far. We have a great lineup of people in the coming weeks. So 